0: Oh that was good that was good excellent 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 praise god um, can 't preach after that you 're dead all right all right so when we when we left Daniel right last week, Daniel was at the mouth of the lion 's den. The sad traps, the governors, the leaders had tricked Darius into passing a law that said anyone who prays to anyone else besides him. Would be killed. Now they tricked Darius. Darius liked Daniel. So when Darius found out, he realized though, once he even found out, that he couldn't do anything about it because once he put his seal on that, it couldn't be changed, not even by him. And Daniel entered another but if not moment. Nothing could be done. King wasn't going to save him. No one could save him. So he was in another but if not moment. What does Daniel do? He doesn't try to hide his passion for God. He doesn't try to get out of, if you will, or escape the consequences of his decision for following God. He's going to follow God regardless of the consequences. He knows exactly what's going to happen to him. If he goes up in his room and opens up the windows again and prays in front of everyone, it is going to be the lion's den for Daniel. Like his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel did not know what was going to happen when he got into the lion's den. I'm sure he had courage. I'm sure he was thinking about the past and all that God had delivered them from. But he didn't know for sure what was going to happen when he got into the lion's den. Daniel's greatest passion was being in the presence of God. It should be our greatest passion to be in the presence of God. That should be our joy. That should be what we think about most of the time. How can we remain in the presence of God? He was not afraid to die. Daniel was not afraid to die. So he was content with whatever came. If God chose to rescue him, then he would praise God for his deliverance. He would praise God for his deliverance. But if not, then he would soon be in the presence of his God for eternity. And that was his greatest desire. For Daniel, there was no winning or losing, if you will, here. He's going to be in the presence of his God and praises God if God delivers him, and if He does not deliver him from the the, the claws, if you and the mouths of the lions, then Daniel would quickly be in the presence of God for eternity, and that was his greatest desire. Two of my two of my friends had the same a similar experience. They had they had they got cancer and they're probably early fifties, mid fifties, and I'm, I'll never forget both of their stories because they're so similar. They've had such an impact on my life spiritually. I was praying for these guys and praying for them. And I, I, I believe that God could heal them. And I was saying to both of them at different times, I would say, I believe that God can heal you. I'm praying for you. I, I am just trying to own that in my heart that God's going to heal you. And they said, both of them said in different words, Jeff, we really appreciate your prayers. And we believe that God can heal us and will heal us. But they said... We're not sure what true healing is anymore. Is true healing that we remain here on earth? Or is true healing that we get to go and be with God for eternity? We're not really sure what true healing is anymore. Maybe I beat you there. One of the guys said, maybe I'll just beat you there. You know what I mean? I get to spend eternity with God. Isn't that all we're looking forward to? Isn't that home, if you will? And that was their attitude. And it really had an impact on my life. So Daniel's at the mouth of the lion's den. Now, here's what we have to realize. Daniel is only human. He's not Jesus, okay? He's not God. So Daniel at the mouth of the lion's den, and I am sure there's no doubt that he felt some anxiety as he thought through what was about to happen to him. As he stood at the mouth of the lion's den, I'm sure from a human standpoint, he felt some anxiety. And it's not a sin to be anxious in those situations. It's not the same as fear, just being fearful of everything. So it's not... Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, it said that he sweat blood. So there's nothing wrong. It's only human when you're faced with that kind of stress, if you will, to feel that, that, that human anxiety. He could probably, if you think about it, he could probably hear the lions, as he, and I'll explain this to you on Easter Sunday and, and how it works, but he could probably hear the lions noise coming out of the tube that he was going to go down into the lions, and he could probably hear them anticipating their next meal. You know, he's up there and they, hear, they hear the noise opened up, and all of a sudden the lions are making that that. that lion noise, if you will. So he could hear that. So you can just imagine how he was, how he was feeling. But again, anxiety is not fear. And so Daniel did not sin and he, it wasn't a weakness. This doesn't show any kind of weakness in his life. See, I would think, I would think that he never stopped praying, right? They're leading him to the lion's den. They're figuring, these leaders are figuring, well, get this dude out of our way. Finally, get Daniel out of... They were jealous of Daniel, and so they wanted Daniel out of the way. So they're thinking, we're going to get Daniel out of the way. And I would assume that Daniel was praying all along the way, hoping, honestly, let's... Again, he's human. Put yourself in his situation. You're, you know... Make me brave. You make me brave. You make me brave. Daniel's brave. Okay. He made the decision to keep praying when they said, if you pray, you're going to get killed. He made the decision not, not to go along with what they were asking. He was brave. Definitely brave. At the same time, he was hoping probably really hoping that the last experience of his life was not being shot down a tube or thrown into a den and having lions rip him to pieces while he was still alive. I don't know about you, but I can brave all I want to. That's not bravery. It's just who wants to experience that? Daniel didn't want to experience that. So all of a sudden they they slide him down. Picture now, they push him down. He's sliding down into the darkness, into the lion's den. And he hits the ground. And when he hits the ground, he would not be more than a few feet away from the lions. So you hit the ground. You don't know what's going to happen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace not knowing what God was going to do. They had confidence that God could save them, but they said, but even if he does not, but if not, Daniel was in those, but if not moments going down, he lay He's sitting there, lions are within feet of him, and he's just wondering now what's going to happen. Put yourself in his place. But then they don't attack. The lions don't attack right away. Now, you can imagine sitting there and... Again, you're human, you're the, the sounds of the lions, the sounds all around you, whatever, whatever sounds all those lions were making. And you can imagine the smells as you're sitting there, maybe it was from their last meal kind of just rotting over there. and you can imagine the smells of, the smell of being in that den and the sounds of being in that den. But after a while you realize, "Hey, um, I'm safe." And as time goes on, you gain a little more confidence because maybe you open your eyes and you're like, OK, I, I, I'm not eaten. I'm safe. And The Bible says that God sent an angel to protect Daniel. All right now. So there's an angel. So now the lions are in there, but there's an angel in there as well. Can you imagine? And I don't know what it says. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly. But can you imagine the conversation that Daniel had with the angel? Right. He's there all night. The angels there all night. The lions are there all night. So you're wondering what's happening. Right. So can you imagine? Or maybe Daniel honestly didn't say a word to the angel and just rested in his presence in the presence of this this incredible being. I, I like to think this is me. I like to think that the lions laid down with this amazing, godly, righteous man that the lions just at some point just laid down and maybe Daniel walked over and started petting the lions and maybe he was just maybe playing with them a little bit as the angel kept watch over everything. The angel, you can just imagine the angel standing there over the whole entire, the whole time. Maybe he walked over. Maybe at some point Daniel got tired. He was there all night. Maybe at some point he just laid back and you ever see the size of a male lion with that giant mane? Maybe Daniel just kind of, snuggled right in, (laughs) kind of laid back and was, you know, on the lion maybe purring a little bit or something, you know, hearing that, that deep purr or whatever. And he was just, I don't know. I don't know what he experienced. I don't know exactly what he experienced, but you can just use your logic and use your thought processes. But whatever happened, it was a night that Daniel would never forget. Daniel had a chance to experience... What most people will never experience because he was not afraid to die. Daniel was not afraid to die. That was not one of the things that he was concerned about, was dying. Obviously, he don't want to get ripped to pieces. That was an experience he'd rather skip. But he wasn't afraid to die. Fear often keeps us from experiencing the miraculous in our spiritual lives. Hear me, hear me. Fear... Is what often keeps us from experiencing the miraculous in our lives. You sit there and go, you know, I wanna, I wanna experience, I wanna walk through the water, right? I wanna part, that parted sea. I'd love to experience that. I'd love to walk on water. I'd love to, to face the giants. I'd love to maybe experience what it was like to be Daniel in that situation. And what keeps us from experiencing some of the miraculous things in our spiritual lives is fear. It's fear. See, in life, you need to keep on trying. If you go through life and you've been through some difficulties and things are, you're struggling right now and, and things aren't going your way, you need to keep moving forward. You need to keep trying. I was thinking about it this week. I would rather die with unfulfilled dreams. I am going to die with unfulfilled dreams. That's okay because I'm going to dream until my brain shuts off. But I would rather die with unfulfilled dreams than have my last thoughts be filled with regret laying on your deathbed, thinking woulda, coulda, shoulda in your spiritual life, the things you, things you should have said to people, experiences you should have taken, chances where you should have stepped out in faith, but you didn't. I'd rather die with unfulfilled dreams than die with regret being the last thing on my mind. Fear often paralyzes us in times of crisis, and then we miss out on so much. Someone asks you to do something. And you're afraid, and you don't do it. Want to go out for the team? Well, I'm not really. I'm not good enough. And you don't do it. And they maybe you should go out for this play, but you don't want to do it. Fear stops you from doing that. Maybe they want you to get up and say something at work. They they think that you're so good at. They want you to get. But you know, fear keeps you from speaking, and fear keeps you from experiencing all these amazing things. Daniel discovered something a long time ago that we all need to discover. There are things in life worth dying for. He learned this as a teenager. There are things in this life worth dying for. And that is what gave him the strength. And that is what gave him the confidence to keep praying when everything was on the line, including his life. His life was on the line. But Daniel continued to pray. He had no fear. Listen, this is, this is awesome. He had no fear of dying. So the world had had no grip on him or his decision making. He wasn't afraid to die. He wasn't afraid of what people would say. He wasn't afraid of of this or that or the way. If the whole world thought one thing and God thought something different, Daniel sides with God. He doesn't care what the rest of the world thinks. The world had no grip on a man who wasn't afraid of dying and they had no grip on his decision making. So Daniel, most likely, if he slept, he slept well snuggling with those lions, you know what I mean? Kind of hang out, I'm just, you know, just, he's there. The lions weren't eating him. He probably slept well. He, let's say he at least rested well, but the king did not. In Daniel chapter six and verse 18, it says, then the, then the king returned to his palace. So he's in the palace, Daniel's in the lions and he's in the palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment bring brought to him and he could not sleep. So Darius is in the palace wringing his hands. Oh, man, what's happening to Daniel? What's happening? I know Daniel's a man of faith. And, and, you know, and so when 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 he was able, the first thing in the morning, Darius gets out from the palace and runs, okay, hoping beyond hope that, that somehow Daniel had survived the night. And he's like, Daniel, Daniel, have you survived? And Daniel tells him he has. And so Darius is kind of overwhelmed with excitement in all of that. But here's something that Daniel teaches us. The book of Daniel teaches us, okay? Daniel teaches us that it's better to be in the lions' den with God than in the palace without God. Who was more rested that night, Daniel or Darius? Daniel. Daniel was in a lion's den. Daniel was surrounded by death. But Daniel, okay... I, you'd rather, you need to think this way. I would rather be in the den or the lion's den with God than in the palace without God. Now you might be thinking, you know, why didn't God just save Daniel before he even got thrown into the lion's den? That's what, that would have been perfect. If God, God should have just saved Daniel from all this experience, from all the hardship. Or why didn't God save Daniel Before he was even thrown into the lion's den, we had that mentality in our lives. Why doesn't God just stop this or stop this or stop this? And here's here's part of the answer, because we live in a fallen world. And nothing short of the return of Jesus Christ is going to change that. You and I, no matter how old you are sitting here, you live in a fallen world. Why do things happen around us? Why do all these things happen? Because part of the answer to that, and there's other answers, is because we live in a fallen world. And if that's the case, we need to stop asking God for a life without difficulty. And we need to start seeking a life with God. We need to stop asking for a life without difficulty. Take this away. Take this away. Take this away. Somehow you're angry at God if you go through any kind of difficulty. We are asking for a life without difficulty when we should be seeking a life with God. I would rather live in the lion's den with God than in the palace without him. With God. We need to live our lives in the presence of God. That should be our desire. God didn't stop Daniel. I mean, God didn't allow Daniel to be eaten by those lions. So God didn't stop him from being thrown into the den. But here's the thing. God went with him into that den. God went with him. God went with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. Remember, they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. And then they poked each other and said, hey, how many guys do we throw in there? Three. Why are there four? walking around. Why are there four walking around? We threw three in there. Why? Because God was with them. God was with them. We need to stop asking for a life without difficulty and start asking for a life with God. God saved Daniel from the lions. But even if he did not, Daniel was saved. Daniel would be in the presence of God. And that's what he wanted. See, now, this is just Jeff, and you guys know me well enough now, so hear, hear me out. I'm going through this you know, and from, from a logical standpoint, too. I don't have all the answers for how that night went, but here's what I like to think. I like to think that Daniel wasn't in the lion's den. It was Daniel's den, and the lions were just visiting. Start thinking about this with me, okay? Think about the scenario we have. He rolls down in here. The angels there. I like to think that once Daniel got down there, it, no, you can change your little Bible. Says Daniel and the lions den, the lions and Daniel's den, okay? Because once Daniel gets in there, right, the lions are just visiting. When you guys play a sport and you're playing on your own court or you're playing on your own field, and the other team shows up, what do you say? This is This is my house this is my house okay the lions were not confused about whose turf they were on they were the lions were not confused and here's why the bible says that god sent an angel all right to protect daniel this i know those lions had to have been terrified of that angel When there's lions involved and angels involved, the angel's not the one who's terrified. The lions are. Lions are pretty tough, though. You ever see a lion get in front of or be confronted by a bull elephant? Or a mom elephant who's not too happy the lions are there? You know what the lion does? Runs up a tree or runs as fast as it can in the way. If you see the water buffalo, there's a bunch of buffalo there. The lions run away. Can you imagine when the lions confront an angel? Now, you're thinking, well, angels, aren't they like cute little kids with wings? If that's your thinking, your thinking's completely wrong, okay? You're completely wrong. Here's the deal. Here's your homework. You go home today, and you look up how many times when an angel is mentioned in the Bible. An angel shows up, and what is one of the first things the angel says every single time? And the angel appeared and said, fear not. Oh, fear not fear. And the angel showed up and said, fear not. And the angel appeared and said, fear not. You know why the angel said, fear not? Because angels are bad, man. I mean, in a good way. okay? angels are tough. When they showed up, he said, fear not, fear not. uh, Calm down, calm down, fear not. You're like, you know, oh, you you drop down. You fall on your face in front of the angel. The lions, I'm sure those little kitty kitties were up against the wall like holy mackerel. I hope he doesn't come over here. At that point, the lions are in Daniel's den. The Bible says that God sent the angel to close the lion's mouths so they could not. I could just see this right now. The, the, they, God said he sent the angel in to close the lion's mouths. This is not the meal you're looking for. All right, these are not the droids. That you're, <laughs> this is not the meal that you're looking for. And the lion's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's all good. You know what I mean? It's all good. Those lions... Had to be, okay, afraid of what they were standing in front of. So Daniel's down there with the lions. God shut their mouths. Here's my point. We have to have that same attitude. This world may not be our home, but when God is with us, we're always, we always have home field advantage. This world may not be my home. The Bible says that this world's not your home. Okay, when I when I go to be with the Lord, that is that's when I'm home. This world may not be my home, but when God is with me, I always have home field advantage. We have to have that kind of attitude as believers. So the end of the story comes quickly. First, the enemies who plotted against Daniel are thrown into the lion's den with their families in verse 24. So once that happens, they get consumed by the before they even hit the ground. The Bible says they're they're just overpowered by the lions. So they're gone. And then Darius begins to praise God, publicly praise God. In Daniel 6, 26 and 27, it says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And It reminded me right away when I read that of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? King Nebuchadnezzar. Once God revealed himself to King Nebuchadnezzar, whether it was Nebuchadnezzar for seven years acting like an animal and eating grass and then God restored him. But once once Nebuchadnezzar saw the power of God, he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed. And that's what I was thinking. Like Nebuchadnezzar, he, he became overwhelmed. He praised God after he saw his ultimate power. And then I was thinking, who knows, who knows if Darius, through this experience, became a believer? I mean, you he, he saw what he said. And I'm thinking to myself, if Darius, maybe Darius and Nebuchadnezzar both became, maybe we'll see them when we get to heaven. We don't know until we get there. Maybe they both and, and I'm thinking myself why why wouldn't they be? Because God loves God loves Nebuchadnezzar and Darius as much as He loves Daniel, you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? The Bible says that God wishes that none would perish, but all come to repentance. That's His desire that we become. He loved Darius. He loved Nebuchadnezzar. So why wouldn't they become believers through all those experiences? And just as Daniel, okay, so taking a next step here. Just as Daniel took God into the lion's den, what Daniel's trying to teach us here what the book of Daniel's trying to teach us is that we need to take God wherever we go. We as followers of Jesus Christ, this is what it means to be in the presence of God, that we take God wherever we go. But the question is, how do we do that? Well, part of the answer is that we need to remember what the, what the book of Daniel has taught us from chapter one all the way now till chapter six. And one of the things that it's taught us is in that chapter 1 and verse 8, it it, it basically tells us that Daniel purposed, purposed in his heart. When Daniel was confronted in chapter 1 that he had to eat the food that may have been sacrificed to idols or that wasn't kosher, that wasn't according to the law of God, Daniel didn't want to eat it. And it says as a teenager, as a young teenager, Daniel purposed in his heart. Now Daniel's around 85 years old, but in chapter 1 and verse 8 it says Daniel purposed in his heart. We need to purpose in our hearts that God comes first. And then that lays the foundation for every other decision in our lives. You purpose in your heart that you will not compromise. You will be uncompromising. Daniel purposed in his heart as a young man that he would not compromise. And so that he, and so he did not his entire life. Every decision he ever made was built on that foundation. He laid a foundation for every decision he would ever make. Second you need to stand strong in the face of opposition. Once you make that decision, once you purpose in your heart, you need, I need to stand strong in the face of opposition. Daniel stood strong all of his life in the face of incredible pressure and he never blinked. He didn't go, oh, yeah, man, man, I'm thinking about, maybe I should, maybe I should, you know, just skip prayer for a little while and then, then I won't be able to, then I won't be thrown. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he never blinked. Daniel is the last person you want to engage in a game of chicken. Okay. If he, if, if it was around when there were cars and Daniel was coming at you and you're coming, I'd swerve. Daniel was the last person that you want to engage in a game of chicken. Here's the thing, guys. Just like Daniel's life from chapter 1 to chapter 6, there are always, there will always be people in your life who are going to oppose the truth of God. There will always be those people who, who oppose the truth. And that's why Jesus told us in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 to take up your cross daily. Make a decision. Purpose in your heart that you're going to stand for God no matter what. And then on top of that, be prepared because you're in a spiritual battle. You are in a spiritual battle. And Jesus said, because you're in a spiritual battle, you need to take up your cross. You need to take a stand and you need to take that stand every single day. When you stand for God and refuse to be moved, you begin to influence other people. That's where the influence really comes in. We live in a culture, honestly, that it, I hear this all the time, and it kind of bothers me a little bit. It, I constantly hear about being an influencer, a thought leader, uh, a, a relevant, you know what I mean? um, uh, having a platform. Everybody wants to have a, I want to have a platform and I, I want to be relevant and I, I want to be a thought leader and I want to, I want to be an influence. I want to be able to influence. I want to influence this and I want to influence that. And, and and I started thinking to myself, I started thinking about Daniel. Daniel was an influencer and a thought leader because his leader influenced his thoughts. Daniel was an influencer and a thought leader because his leader, his God, influenced his thoughts. Daniel was an influencer because he couldn't be influenced. He could not be influenced. Daniel was relevant because he was obedient. He was relevant in everything he did. He he impacted his culture. He impacted the world because he was obedient to God. Daniel, Daniel... Influenced Darius Daniel influenced the king and he influenced the kings before him because Daniel would not compromise to gain their favor Daniel would not compromise to gain their favor the only favor he hoped to gain was God's favor He only cared about gaining God's favor. What does God think of me as I go to school, as I go to work, as I go home? What does God think of me? That's what he cared about. How can God use me? Now, I've said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it. Because here's the reality. Here's what Daniel teaches us. All right? Daniel was used by God. But here are some of the things that Daniel teaches us. God doesn't need me. God loves me. God wants to use me. But this sovereign God of all eternity with his massive plan doesn't need me. I want to be you. Daniel wanted to be used by God. Daniel wanted to find favor in the eyes of God so that God would use Daniel. Daniel wanted to step out in faith. Daniel wanted to be uncompromising because he wanted the sovereign, awesome, powerful God to use him. But God doesn't need Jeff Greer to fulfill his plan. I want to be a part of his big picture. I want to be obedient to him. I want to influence those around me by being obedient to what God. I want to be an influencer because I am influenced. My thoughts, a thought leader. OK, I want to be influenced because God influences my thoughts. And I speak, hopefully, what comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Daniel understood something that we all need to learn. That every single person needs to learn. If you're going to live, if we are going to live our lives with God, we need to be consumed by God. That's our next series. Not next week. It's down the road a little bit here, but it's called consumed. What does it mean to be consumed by God? See, when God, when God consumes your thoughts and your actions, when he starts to consume all your thoughts and your actions, our lives begin to come into focus. And we no longer ask questions about what is my purpose and what is the meaning of life and what am I? uh, How can God use me and all those kinds of things? Because we realize the answer to those questions or the answers are found in a life that is focused on seeking God's presence. When I am seeking God's presence, when I am seeking and I am in God's presence, then all those answers come. They come by being in the presence of God. God speaks to us in a way that he doesn't speak to most people because most people don't take the time to truly try to come into the presence of God. It's that kind of life that changes other people and draws people into a a personal relationship with God. They are drawn to it. Darius watched Daniel. Darius watched Daniel and how he lived his life. I want you to think about this. Darius made him third in command. Daniel just had taken over, but he was watching Daniel. And so Darius watched Daniel and he watched how he lived his life each time, how he lived his life. The satrap and the the governors and all the other leaders, they, they 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 missed the point. Daniel wasn't seeking. They were jealous of Daniel, right? They're all jealous. That's why they made this whole thing. Oh, Darius, we all want to just pray to you and anyone who prays anyone else. They're setting Daniel up. Why? Because they're jealous. But they missed the point. Daniel was not seeking a platform. He was seeking righteousness. Daniel was seeking to be holy as God is holy. Daniel wasn't seeking a platform. He was seeking the presence of God. That's why he wasn't afraid to die, because he could be in the presence of God for eternity. He was taken from his home as a child. He was put in captivity. He went through incredible experiences, a lot of them terribly negative experiences, Daniel wasn't afraid to die because Daniel's desire was to be in the presence of God. They were jealous, my friends, for all the wrong reasons, and they and they paid a heavy price for their jealousy. We need to realize that there are always going to you all. We all need to realize there are always going to be satraps or people in our lives who want to bring us down. Some people who are closest to us, they want to bring us down, they want to discourage us, they want to rob us of our joy. But there are also people like Darius... There are also people like Darius who are watching us, like Darius watched Daniel. There are people like Darius who are watching us and hoping, they're actually hoping that what we're saying is true. They're listening to your words about, you know, we are, you make me brave, you make me brave. And they, 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 they listen to you talk about your faith and how you should put your faith in God and how you should rest in Christ and how he helps you overcome your, your fear and your worry and your anxiety and all this. And then they're going to watch how you live your life. They're watching how you live your life, hoping that what you're saying is true because they're in desperate need of truth. Not everyone. There are some people out there they are like the satraps and the leaders and the governors. okay. but there are a whole lot of people out there like Darius who are hoping that what you're saying is true and they're watching how you live your life. Recently, I was speaking to God in prayer and I was asking God to help me do part of the ministry more effectively And God reminded me of something that he's reminded me of over and over again in my life. It's like, hello, McFly. You know what I mean? And I don't get it sometimes. (laughs) He keeps reminding me. That's okay. That's okay for God to keep reminding you of things. God reminded me, you are the ministry. You are the ministry. What, what, what What does that mean, right? My ministry is not... Just on Sunday mornings when I'm up here preaching or during the week when I'm here on the campus at work. I take Christ with me wherever I go. Why? He lives in me. I am the ministry. Okay. He indwells me. So when I go to the supermarket, when I go to work out or if I go, whatever I do, God is, I take Christ with me. Not just when I'm on this campus, not just when I'm teaching a Bible study, when I'm driving in my car, wherever I am, I am the ministry. I am a representation. I represent Jesus Christ. I'm an ambassador, if you will, of Jesus Christ. Christ lives in me, and that means I take him wherever I go. That means tomorrow, if you go back to school tomorrow, that you are a campus minister in your high school or in your co- on your college campus. You minister to everyone around you because you are a campus minister. You are the ministry if you follow Jesus Christ. When you go to work tomorrow, I don't care where you go to work, you are a marketplace minister. You go in there and look for opportunities to bring Christ into those situations. You're a marketplace minister. If you go home, if you're at your home, you minister at home. It's not just about what you're doing when you're here. You are the ministry. You represent Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be consumed by God. That you take him wherever you go. So as we close, I want you to keep in mind, we all face hardships. We all face challenges. But just as God delivered Daniel from the lion's den, God can deliver you from whatever it is that you're facing. Whatever challenges you find yourself in, whatever difficulty you find yourself in, God can deliver you. He delivered Daniel. He delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over and over and over. And he can deliver us. This story, honestly, is not about Daniel. This is not about Daniel. This story, all of it, is about a sovereign God who's in control. This is what it's all about. That's what Daniel's writing about. He's writing about the sovereignty of God, a God who is with us every step of the way. It's about a God who can rescue us from the fires of life. It's about a God who can rescue us as we face the lions in this life. It's about a God who can deliver us from those who would try to harm us in the past and how it affects your life now. God can deliver you from that. He can deliver you from the harm that people have inflicted on your life. It's about a God who reveals truth and restores hope. He can restore hope. It's about a God who always delivers, but not the way that we expect. I really need you to, if you fade it out a little bit, to get your, put your brain back on. Okay, turn it back on, because I want you to understand what I'm saying here. It's about a God who delivers, but not always the way we expect. God will deliver us, but on his, in his own way, on his own terms. And I, for one, am thankful for that. At 54 years old, I can look back and I can say, thank you God for doing it in your own way and on your own terms. Here's why. My greatest, my greatest experiences have come from my greatest losses. I have learned in prayer I I, I have experienced, I have learned, I have, have, let me say this, I have been shaped more by his no's than by his yes's. I've been shaped more by God's no's than by his yes's. Some of my greatest successes and greatest joys have come from a closed door, not an open door. God will deliver me in his own way on his own terms. See, here's, here's why. God sees what Jeff Greer is not capable of seeing. And he puts me on paths that I didn't even know existed. I'm praying for God, move me and show me, and do and I would like you to do this. And I'm only I can only pray out of my own experiences of what I know. I can't pray about what I don't know. And God is capable of seeing what Jeff Greer cannot see and leading me down a path that I never even knew existed. And that's the perfect path for me. And I say thank you for not answering my prayer the way I prayed it, for saying no in that timing. Because you are perfect. You know, I've come to realize, I've come to realize that I often lose... When I thought I had won. And I win when I thought I had lost. And sometimes I am a baby and I get ticked at God for not doing what I asked him to do. And then down the road I realize I thought I lost, but I actually won. And when I thought I won, I'm like, yeah, God, you're awesome. I realize that I actually lost because I'm not God and my thoughts are not his thoughts. Neither are my ways his ways. And that's what we need. That's what Daniel is trying to teach us here. God delivers in his own way on his own terms. So as I close and we take communion, you need to pray your prayers to God. Pray your prayers and ask him to, to, to answer you the way you're asking. That's okay. You pray your prayers and maybe you expect him to, to, to answer the way that you're asking. And many times he does. Many times God will answer the way that you're asking. But if not, you can rest in the truth. Listen, you can rest in the truth that God never makes mistakes. He never makes mistakes. And as King Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way in chapter four, what King Nebuchadnezzar actually learned the hard way in chapter four, everything he does is right. That's what Nebuchadnezzar said. Everything he does is right. So pray your prayers and ask God for how you ask him for what you need. And he may answer you the way you're asking. But if he does not, remember, he never makes mistakes and everything he does is right. I want you to be able to reflect on that for a few minutes. We're going to take communion. Communion. Okay, and if you're here for the first time, it's totally fine. If you know the Lord Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to take it with us. We do it a little differently here at Grace Chapel, so I'll explain it to you. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. After I'm finished reading, I'm going to pray for the bread and for the cup. After I'm finished praying... Without anybody else, you don't have to wait for anybody else. You can get up. You can go to the back tables. You can take the little cup and take the bread. You can come sit back down. You don't have to wait for anybody else to take of it. You go get it. You sit back down. Once you've prayed, once you've reflected, you can take of the cup and of the bread. If you want to come up here and kneel and pray, you can do that too. So I'm going to read, then I'm going to pray, then you can get up and take the cup, sit back down, reflect on what we talked about, and then I'll close in prayer. 1 Corinthians 11:23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, we want to reflect on what you've been teaching us throughout this entire series. God, we want to be bold. We want to be brave. And we can be, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And because you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world to set an example for us and to fill us with your spirit and to give us courage and strength beyond what we're capable of on our own. So we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his body, which was given for us on the cross, that we can have a relationship with you, that we can enter into a relationship with you. And Father, we thank you for the cup which represents your blood that covers us from all of our sin. And because we are covered from our sin, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can enter into the very presence of God, the Father. And we can come to you and pray. And we can ask you questions. We can ask you for the things that we, that we desperately need. And you hear us. And you answer our prayers. Sometimes not the way we expect. That's okay, Lord. We're thankful that you know better than we know. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know our lives better than we know our own lives. You know the future that we don't even know at all. Everything you do is right. We thank you for being able to enter into your presence and express our feelings, our frustrations, and that you still love us. So thank you for the, for the bread which represents your body. Thank you for the blood which represents Your forgiveness of sin, Lord God. This cup which represents your blood, the forgiveness of sin. We praise you for it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Our gracious God and heavenly Father. God, we want it to be our greatest desire to be in your presence. But we need to learn what that means. Help us understand what it means to to dwell in your presence. To be still and know that you are God. To be so close to you that we understand what our purpose in life is. What the meaning of life is. How you want to use us. Father, we pray that as we take this time to reflect... That your Holy Spirit would guide our thoughts. That your Holy Spirit would influence our thoughts. Give us strength. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Make us brave for you. Help us to realize that Daniel wasn't brave in and of himself. He was brave because he served an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. We praise you. We thank you for this time that we can spend together. As we take this communion, we remember your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us. And may we leave here with resurrection strength to go out into our world and to be the ministry wherever we are, because you indwell each one of us. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.